Today's message is knowing the Father. We're going to be talking about the Father, our scripture that we've been going over probably for the rest of the year, maybe. We'll see. Psalms 37, 4 and 5. It says, May God make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. Give God the right to direct your life. Did you know God will never force you to do anything? He will never force you to do anything. God is a God who gives us free choice. People say, you know, God is sovereign. Yes and no. <clears throat> He's sovereign in the, in the fact that he can do anything. There's nothing that he can't do. But he's not sovereign in that he will make you do something. Does that make sense? Give God the right to direct your life as you trust him along the way. You'll find he pulled it off perfectly. Amen. Do you want to see how your Heavenly Father responds when you fail? I think all of us have failed, so I'm pretty sure I'm talking to the right group. Unless there's anybody who wants to admit they have never failed. Okay, just checking. Uh, Luke, you know, this is a very, very popular, well-known story. And... um, I just think it speaks volumes. There's so much in this story, and I'm not going to unpack it all, but I will unpack some of it. Luke chapter 15, this is called the prodigal son story. Verse 11, it says this, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. So the father had two sons. And he gave the inheritance to those sons to how many? Both of them. He divided to them. And if you look back in Deuteronomy chapter 21, this is one thing about the Jewish culture, is that the elder or the older brother gets the double portion. So if you're the oldest in the Jewish culture... You get a double portion. So more than likely, the older brother in this story got a double portion. Just remember that. Verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered up all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions on prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. This is the bottom of the bottom. First of all, Jewish, they detest pigs. And so here he is living with pigs and feeding pigs. So he was at the bottom of the barrel. Verse 16, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants had bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired 
servants. He wasn't expecting anything. The son was not expecting anything, and yet he was going to go back home, kind of eat crows, so to speak. First, 23, bring the fatted cat. Well, let me, I stopped off. But the father said to his servant, well, where did I stop? I'm sorry. 20, he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father said to him, and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. How did the father know that the son was coming? He was watching for him every day of his life. That's remarkable. Instead of giving up on him, did you hear me? Instead of giving up on the son, instead of saying, you worthless sinner, you... He was watching for him to come home every single day of his life. This is a picture of your father. But when he was still a great way off, the father saw him. He had compassion. He ran. He fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Was that true? It was true that he sinned, but... The father said to his servants, did you notice he didn't even respond to what the son said? This is so good. He did not even respond to the son. He said, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy. The father didn't even respond to that. Just like, boom. Cut him off. And he said, the father said to his servants, while the son was still talking, the father turned to his servants and said, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry for this my son, not my servant, but this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And then they began to be merry. They began to throw a party. Verse 25. Now the older son, who had the double portion, was in the field. And as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come because he received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, (laughs) not so much my brother, but this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. The younger son, first of all, he came back not because of his love for his dad. He came back for one reason. He was hungry. Are you hearing this? He didn't come back. Dad, I missed you. 
Brother, I missed you. I don't think his brother and him had such a good relationship. I could be wrong, but just reading between the lines, I don't think they had a great relationship, obviously. But he didn't even come back and say, Dad, he did confess, though. He humbled himself. He said, I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against God. So he was humble. But at the same time, what drove, what was the motivation of his heart? Man, he was starving. And you realize the father did not say, well, I'll accept you. No. He said that he accepted him no matter what the motivation of his heart was. He loved him. He showed love to him. The younger son was expecting rejection, but he received the love of his father. The father did not heap guilt onto him. I believe one of the greatest tools of the devil is guilt and shame that he brings upon people. But the father did not bring any guilt or condemnation before he received his son. It didn't matter. To the father that his son's intentions for returning home was that he was just hungry. Can you imagine now, Jesus is telling this story to the Pharisees, Sadducees, all the religious people who live according to the law. Now, you got to picture this. This is 2,000 years ago. All of the religious people were there, and they were living under the law, which said this, that if you have a rebellious son that you can go out and stone him. Aren't you glad that you didn't live back in that day? I I did a little rebellion when I was a teenager. I'm glad I wouldn't be here today if I was living under the old covenant. They just take you out back and say, you rebellious rascal, you. I mean, I come from some pretty redneck people in, in Kentucky and... Nobody does that, thank the Lord. They may beat you up, but I mean, you get to walk away from it. But here it is, though. He's talking to all these religious people, and he's showing the heart of God. He's showing the heart of God to all these religious people. No condemnation, no punishment, which the law said that you would have to do or should do. I will say this. When I was praying this morning, uh, you know, if you've got young people, if you're a parent and you've got young people that are rebellious, I just encourage you. Not, I'm, I'm sure that you're praying for them. But I just encourage you, especially if they're young, young, that you can still do this. If there's teenagers, you can suggest this. And that is to make sure that they're seeking God. Tell them some, if they're really young, man, get, get some good. My wife, man, when our grandkids come over, man, she pulls, she's got a whole library full of uh, spiritual stories and books, and she reads to them. Every night before they go to bed, she tells them a story. Every day, she tells them something spiritually. 
to put a seed inside of them. You can't make your kids serve God, but you can put a lot of seeds in them. You can put seeds inside of them. And if you sense that your kids are being rebellious, you know, a lot of kids, you know, they can be that way. But I encourage you just to, just to get, find some things that you can put inside of them. If they're teenagers, pray for them and encourage them, you know. Get them to read the Bible. You know, I, I've encouraged my kids to read Proverbs. Get your kids to read Proverbs, especially the Passion Translation. The po- Proverbs is in the tra- Passion Translation. It's real easy to read. It's not thou's and thus and saith and, and the young person's reading that and go, what does this mean? You know, but get them to read the Passion Translation, the Proverbs, where it talks about the wisdom of God. They need it. Well, instead of the law which the, they were familiar with, Jesus revealed to them a heart of grace of God. How is it that the father saw his son even when he was still a great way off? Well, he was looking for him. I'm telling you, God is always looking to pour out his love to you, to show his love to you, to manifest his goodness to you. That is the heart of God. This story is the heart of God. He wants to manifest his goodness to you. And I believe most of the church around the world is still looking at God as somebody who is uh, judging them, somebody that it, it, you have to do something before he will do something for you. Let me ask you this. This is a great question. What did the prodigal son have to do to get forgiveness, to get provision, to get, um, I wrote four things down. Let me see if I can have a thought. I can remember them. Uh, to get righteousness, get, to be set right with his father. What did he have to do for all these things? He just had to come back home to God. He had to come to God to receive things that he could not work for. Are you getting this? What do you have to do to get God to forgive you, to show his love to you, to have provision for you? How about righteousness, to be set right? The Bible says that uh, two things that picture this. He gave him sandals on his feet and a robe, an expensive robe, which represents right standing with God, having shoes on his feet, And a robe of righteousness was given to him. He didn't have to get right. He just came to the Father God. And he got, oh, I forgot, he had a ring put on his finger. What's that represent? Authority. In other words, when Joseph got the ring of Pharaoh, when anybody saw that ring, they knew it was Pharaoh's ring. Therefore, Joseph had the same authority as Pharaoh. That's powerful. Here comes the prodigal son who, who didn't have anything. Now, not only does he have the robe of righteousness, he's in right standing with God. He's been forgiven. He has all the provision that he needs. Now he's given a ring of his father that says, whatever authority that I have, my son has. You and I are in right standing with the right shoes on our feet 
We have the robe of righteousness. We've been forgiven. We've been all of the provision that we need. And then we have the ring. We have the authority of Almighty God. Listen, I believe this is one of the, the greatest things that the church, we just let fall to the wayside and we ask God to do things where he has given us authority for us to do things. I haven't learned this as well as I should, but I have left of a lack of knowledge, and that is that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I have authority over my body. I do. Now, does that mean that I bat 100 or 1,000 percent every time? No, but I do a lot better today than I did five years ago. But this is the problem. When you speak to your body and you command it and you demand it and you don't see anything, we just say it doesn't work. When I first started learning this, I just didn't give up. There's times I said something to my knees, especially my knees. I know I didn't treat my body right growing up as far as playing sports and just doing crazy things. I didn't do things good to my body. You know what I mean? And so my knees would just give out. There was times back, I'd be back in my office, I'd be walking down in the hall, and man, there would be a sharp pain run through my knee, and I thought, and I'd just stop, and I'd think, okay, I got to get back to my chair. How can I get back to my chair? I would speak to my knee. I would use authority. Listen. Too many Christians, listen to me now, too many Christians are asking God to do something for them when he has already done it for them. And then we blame God because we're not receiving for what we asked him to do. Mark eleven twenty three. Why don't you go ahead and pull that up, Tiff? Mark eleven twenty three. I wasn't going to go there, but we're going to go there. Mark eleven twenty three says this. It's a very, some people thought Kenneth Hagin wrote this, but he didn't. For surely, I thought you were just teasing me or something. For surely, now you see it, now you don't. For surely, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever, is that you? Whoever says to this mountain, what does a mountain represent? It represents any problem that you may have, any circumstance that's coming against you which would include sickness, would it not? Would it? All right. Whoever says to this mountain, to this sickness, to this problem, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt, does not doubt in his heart, but he believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever He says, it doesn't say whoever goes to God and complains to God or talks to God about his mountain. Too many of us, listen to me, and some of you know this, but you've just forgotten it or you've not really made it a big part of your life. Too many of us have done this. 
But too many times we go to God and we complain and we cry and we... And let me just say this. Self-pity will cause you not to be able to receive from God what he has done. That's a powerful statement. I'm going to say it again. Self-pity will cause you to not be able to receive what God has already done for you. Man, I've, I've, have you ever done this? I, and thank God for a good wife. My wife would say, Mike, what are you doing? Stop it. Those who know Melody, she can be pretty blunt. Just stop it. Don't, don't, no. Don't get, don't get out of that pit, Mike. You can't, you can't help yourself. And, but, you know, it feels, does it feel good to your flesh to have self-pity, to get people to go, oh, I'm so sorry for you. I'm so sorry for you. Oh, yes, terrible. Yes, yes, your life really is bad. It's just really, your life really sucks. I'm sorry. What you're doing is what God is trying to give you. You're saying, no, I can't accept that. I don't deserve it. You're right, on one part, none of us deserve it. None of us do. But what God wants you to know is, He's given you that. You know, there's going to be, thank God when we get to heaven, because there's going to be so many eyes opened up. That God says, you had the authority. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power. One translation says authority. Behold, Luke 10, 19. I give unto you authority, the power to trample on serpents and scorpions, which are representative of the demonic things, and over all of the power of the enemy. Jesus said, I have given you authority. Who has the authority? Everybody say, I do. God has given you the authority. He's given you the authority to be over all of the power of the enemy. And he says, nothing, not one thing shall hurt you. It's a powerful man. I memorized that years and years and years ago. I just wanted that to be implanted in my mind and in my heart. I have authority. So when a symptom, a sickness comes on me, don't wait till I mean, you're crippled and paralyzed. Man, the, the, the smallest symptom comes on you, you start speaking to it right then and there. I have authority over you. My voice is the same as God's voice. You go, oh, that sounds like blasphemy. That's what they said about Jesus. This is the thing. Where does God live? Where does he live? Inside of you. All three. People say, well, you know, the Holy Ghost lives inside of you. Well, just so you know, God is one. So therefore, God the Father lives in me. God the Son lives in me. And God the Holy Ghost lives in me. Which means what? I have been given the authority. I have the ring. In the spiritual realm, when I raise my hands, there's the ring of Almighty God on my finger. I'm married to Jesus. I have the, the authority of the Father God. And the problem is, we don't know it. Therefore, the devil, my people perish for lack of knowledge. What if we truly believed, ladies and gentlemen? What if we truly believed that we had the same authority as God? 
I know there's the majority of churches on this planet would think I'm speaking blasphemy right now. And that's why we're not having as much victory as we're supposed to have. <laughs> Jesus said, the things that I do shall you do also. The things that I do shall you do also. We just don't believe in what we have. The good news is God is so patient with us. Listen to me now. Romans 8 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation. Guilt and shame will rob you from everything that God wants to and has done for you. People who are living in guilt and people who are living in shame, it's almost impossible for them to receive God until their eyes get open. The story of the prodigal son, listen to me. He said he came to himself. He came to himself. What does that mean? His eyes got opened up to truth. I can go back to my father's house. Now, his perception was wrong, but he came to himself. When you and I come to ourselves and realize what Jesus has done for us, you're going to see things change in your life. You will. Like I said, I, I'm, I am not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm so thankful that the Lord is teaching me and I've been listening to some good teaching. Man, I'm telling you, knowing what's inside of me, what Jesus has done for me, knowing that I can speak to my body parts, I can speak to my organs, I can speak to, I can say things. And just don't get weird on me. Don't do it out loud in front of people, you know, and then tell them what church you go to, okay? That would be bad. I don't go down the, wall, the aisles of Walmart and take an authority over stuff. It's amazing that people start to get spiritual and they just get weird. But anyway, uh, I, but I just want you to know this. Go in your car, go in the shower, man. I speak to my body when I shower. Every day, I, when I take a shower, I speak to my body. I speak to my, and a lot of times when I eat, and I'm blessing the food, thanking God for the food. I say this at the end, and I thank you that our bodies function right. My body functions right. Smith Wigglesworth, I think it was him, I'm not for sure, but he said, somebody says, how do you feel, Smith? He says, I never ask myself how to feel. I tell myself how to feel. How do you feel? Your body will come up with something. Let me see. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I've had this little twinge back here. There's always going to be something wrong. So your body is just saying, yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. And then there's people that's got, okay, how long do you have? I got a list of things that's wrong. You start telling your body how you feel. How do you feel, body? I'm going to tell you how you feel, body. By the stripes of Jesus, you're healed, body. Your body every organ functions right. Every, and you keep saying that. You keep believing that. And you keep saying that. How long do I have to do that? You keep saying that. You keep believing that. You keep saying that. You keep believing that. How long? You keep saying that. You keep believing that. You keep saying that. And you keep believing it. As long as you're asking how long, you're not there. You don't really believe the powers inside of you. You're not really believing that. So what do you do? You keep believing that. You keep saying that. 
You keep believing that, you keep saying that. You keep speaking to that, you keep speaking to that, you keep speaking to that, you keep speaking to that. And I don't ask, well, man, it seems like it ought to be working better right now. No, 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 no. I don't walk by what I feel, what I see. I don't walk by that. The just walk by faith, which means you don't ask. How long do I have to do that? You're not there yet. You have to ask. You just keep speaking. You just keep believing. You just keep speaking, and you just keep believing. You say, well, man, what if it took a year? I spoke. I had a pain in my back for one solid year to the month. I'm not for sure about the day. For one, I didn't say nothing to anybody. This was years ago. But every time I got in the shower, I would speak to my back. I spoke to it, and I spoke to it, and I spoke to it, and I spoke to it. When I get in the car, I spoke to it. If I sit too long, I get really stiff. But I didn't get up and go, oh, man, I got a bad back. No, I got a great back. My nerves function right. My vertebrae is perfectly lined up. Everything works right in my back, I command it. And I'm speaking to you back. I have authority over you back. You don't have authority over me. I've got authority over you. Not because of what I've done, but because of what has been given to me. It's been given to you. It's been given to me, everybody. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Knowing God, he has done that for you. Listen, it's a journey too. But at least let's start. You know, I mean, I've been on this journey of walking in authority, walking in the righteousness that God has given me, walking in knowing this. And this is what I know. I don't let the circumstance or failure. I did it and man, oh, wow, it didn't work. I don't have that mentality. I dust myself off. Proverbs, it says this, a, a righteous man, a just man falls down seven times and he gets back up. That's all you have to do. Don't let condemnation, guilt, shame go, well, I just, I fail at this. I've tried to have faith. I've tried to speak, and I've tried that. No, don't go there. His mercies are new every day. They're new every day. Just know that he's merciful, just like that father. Actually, I, I didn't, there's so many things to bring out there. The, the Bible says that he left his house and ran after him. He saw the son afar off. Man, I can just, that's Jesus running. People go, oh, man, I tell you what, sin will separate you from Jesus. It, you better watch it. He'll just do that. Really? The son had not even said, forgive me, and the father was running toward him, running after him, lifted him up. I can just see him lifting him up. Just kissing him and just hugging him and saying, I love you. It's so glad to be home. But, Father, you don't realize I've sinned against heaven and earth. Yeah. Servants, let's do it. Let's do the party. And the older son, who had twice as much, was doing it for the wrong motivation. He was working for his dad, not because he loved his dad or understood the love of the dad. He was doing it because, well, I'm doing this because I get stuff. I get a roof over my head. And he didn't even live in the luxury of having the double portion. He had it. 
He didn't take advantage of it. Why? Like a lot of religious people. He was religious relationship. His relationship with his father was just on works and works alone. God wants us to have a true relationship with him. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that our eyes help us like the prodigal son. Come to ourself. Help us to come to ourself. Realize what our Heavenly Father's done for us. The forgiveness, the right standing, the righteousness, and yes, the provision. Help us to come to the to authority, the ring that is on our finger in the spiritual realm. The Godhead living inside of us. We couldn't do that. But I'm thankful that as we gave our life to God, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we gave our life to God and said, God, here I am. Take me. I give my life to you. At that point, God, you put a ring on our finger. You made us righteous. You forgave us. You made us in right standing with you, Father. Help us to come to ourself to realize the truth, to walk even as he walked. And Lord, for some, it's just going to be like a baby. I see us walking like a baby, taking that first step, and every, and the parents getting all excited, and then they tumble over. And the parent gets the baby back up and says, you can do it. And they take two steps and three steps. Father, you're the same way. We use our authority, and we tumble over. We try our authority, and we tumble over. We speak to the mountain, and we tumble over. But God, you keep picking us up. 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 Being patient with us and smiling, laughing, saying, yes, you can do it. I thank you that everybody that's hearing this message, Lord, they will be encouraged by you that they can do it. That they can do it. And God, you're the great encourager that will help them hold their hand. As they fall down, you'll pick them back up. It may be 20 times in one day. I just thank you for there to be tenacity within the body of Christ. Tenacity. Bulldog tenacity. To never quit. To never give up. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.